Yeah, third week of Advent, week of joy. Um, and we said earlier, okay, biblical joy goes so far beyond happiness, so far beyond fun. I mean, it's this eternal sense, uh, this extreme happiness that's not detoured by present circumstance. And as I shared, like to me, I think of a lot of it, like the climbing that mountain where the, you know, the trail can be tough or easy, but the, the summit is the summit. Um, the uh, the uh, we've been out in Rocky Mountain National Park, when, and they have these trails, and again, some are kind of easy, and some are some you got to work on, and, and it's you can see where you're going, um, and you get to some of these places, and you can see just amazing amount of space. It's just you know, and it's that's what joy is. Joy is just that that eternal that's there regardless of what the current path has going for it. And the only source of that, of course, is, is God. It's the promise of salvation that we get through Jesus Christ. Um, and the, um, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, joy is, is, is it's, it's, it's hundreds of times in Scripture. Um, it talks about that joy, that, that, that joy that can be found only through God. Um, And we know that it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? We read in, in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That indwelling Holy Spirit gives us the ability to see life from the perspective of the eternal. It's that promise of the eternal that lifts us up. Um, and it's a gift and Scripture encourages us to, to rejoice in the blessings that life gives us. Uh, we read in Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, the power of hope. We talked last week about, you know, faith and hope get us there Joy and love and peace are there forever, right? Once you get to heaven, you don't need faith and hope anymore. You're there. Um, but you're going to have eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal love with the Father. Um, and that's our vision of the summit. That's what the top of the mountain looks like. Um, so we have to have that gratitude for what love God showed us by providing his son for us. Um, and that's what we celebrate throughout the Christmas season, um, that we have a God who loves us. And if we're obedient and we follow him, um, he will lead us to that path of righteousness in our life. He will lead us up that mountain. Um, and he'll make sure we get where we're supposed to go. James 1-4 reads, um, Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, I, I struggle with that verse at times, because their struggles, I just don't feel joy. I don't feel happy. Yesterday, I, I had a real struggle trying to finish this message, and Yesterday was just a really tough day. Uh, I found out Charlene, my oldest daughter, has COVID again. She has 
She struggles with valley fever, so it's a really big deal for her to have COVID again. Um, and she's fully vaccinated. She has it again, such are the mysteries of this COVID. Um, and then Michelle, was. we had a birthday party for our granddaughter and one of our great-granddaughters. Um, and Michelle's been struggling with seizures, and she had another one yesterday while jumping in the jumping castle, and we had to try to get her out of the jumping castle. All the kids were watching. It was horrendous. Um, and I'm writing a message on joy. Um, and then things quieted down and cleaned up the house and settled down, and it's probably like 8, 30, 9 o'clock, and I make the cardinal sin, and I decide to watch the news. Um, and I see Mayfield, Kentucky gets a tornado that goes through it, which is the, possibly the largest in Kentucky history and one of the largest that's ever hit the country in the last 10 years. Over 100 people died. A candle factory where people were working overtime to make candles for Christmas collapsed and a Walmart collapsed. And I thought, God, is this joy? Is this joy? No, these are rocks in the path. There's struggles. There's one of those times when the road is slippery, when you really have to hang on to God. And so it's, to me, it's so important that we understand joy for what it is. Right? It's that vision of the future. It's the knowing the path. While it may be bumpy, we know where it ends. And I'll be honest with you, there's days I'm ready to go home. I'm like, hey, I'm ready. But in his time, and I'm just glad we have a God that loves us and that stays with us regardless of what happens. All right, we'll get happier. Um, (laughs) We can always rely on his promises, and he will strengthen our feelings of joy. So last week we looked at Christmas from Joseph's perspective. Again, he was a loving father and husband that did what had to be done. He took care of Mary, he took care of Jesus. He did what had to be done. And today we're going to look at the same story, but we're going to look at it from Mary's perspective. So today we're going to look at Christmas according to Mary. Now, i got to admit, there's a big piece of this that I'm completely unfamiliar with. Um, Childbirth is described as joyful. I've never had one, thank you. Um, And I've watched my, uh, you know, I've, I watched Donna give birth, my daughter give birth, and to me it looks like nothing joyful. It, I'm quite glad that I'm not the one doing it. Um, and yet, so I'm told it's the joy of childbirth. Um, and the, you know, we read in, in John 16:21, it says, Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain, but because her, her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. I mean, that's amazing to me. When I watch you that whole process, but I'll tell you what, I remember we were in the Philippines when Eric got born, and, um, you know, Donna, boom, goes through this, oh, boom, it takes a while, but anyway, she goes through this, it, it's, it was funny, because I was supposed to go through all these classes, and, and I'm just like, I'm going to go through classes? She's this woman, she doesn't have a baby, I'm just going to show up. Um, and... Uh, I learned one important rule, don't hold her hand. 
That was a big mistake. I thought she was going to crush my bones in my hand. But other than that, you know, she's got this having a baby thing wired. So the, uh, but it was, I mean, so she goes through this whole process. And then she is like 30 minutes. She is up and on the phone. And this is before cell phones. I mean, in the Philippines, the phone was at the end of the hall. You know, so she's up and on the phone. And, you know, we're 10 hours difference. And she's calling all these people in the States. You know, I'm sure they were joyful that they were called at 2 in the morning. The, the, uh, but, you know, she was just all excited to tell everybody about this baby this morning. You know, and so I understand that joy. You know, I don't understand that process, uh, but I could watch it occur. And that's, uh, you know, the moms that are in this room, you know what I'm talking about. That's something, something very special to go through that whole process and, and to see that child um, that, that's born. Um, my mom describes it much in the same way. My dad didn't want to have kids, and my mom did. And um, so since she's kind of in charge of that process, I have uh, two brothers and a sister. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, uh, yeah, my dad kept it. From what I understand, he was like, what the heck is happening? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know what happened. The, uh, the, uh, but anyway, my mom talks about how that even all the, all the bumps in life and all that kind of stuff, her children brought her joy, right? Um, and it's not happiness, because, I mean, the happiness ebbs and flows, right? Your kids do good things, your kids do bad things, you're not happy. No, no, but the joy is that, that, that journey with a child, to see him grow up and become a person, and, and, and a man, a woman, and, and all that they do, that, that joy that childbirth and that childhood and raising children brings. Um, it's, just, it's just a really cool thing. And of course, the opposite is true, right? The people that struggle with having children. You know, in the Old Testament, being barren was a terrible thing for a Jewish woman. Um, it's it spoken very negatively throughout Scripture. Um, if a woman was barren, she is thought to have had God's disapproval. Um, and she carries shame that she can't have children. She can't provide an heir to her husband. Um, so it was a big deal. The, um, to be relieved of barrenness, though, is a joyful time. It's a big deal again. In the Old Testament, we looked at women that were relieved of barrenness, if you will, and conceived. And often they were women that were well beyond the ages um, that they should have had children. The, um, we think of Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Hannah, um, Manoah's wife, who's the mother of Samson, um, and of course Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist. Right? Um, so these women were barren. They couldn't have children, but they raised that request to God to have their wombs opened and, and to provide, right? Because God is the God of the womb. God controls who gives and who doesn't. Um, so Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, and she was the wife of a priest named Zacharias. Uh, and they were advanced in years, and again, like I said, Elizabeth was barren. She had not been able to bear any children. We read in Luke 1, verses 8 to 14. Now it happened that while, we were, while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, 
he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel. It's a normal reaction when you see angels. Most people are like, ooh, this isn't good, you know. So he's troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice with her, or at his birth, rather. So Elizabeth, old and barren, and God chooses to act supernaturally, open the womb, and give Elizabeth a child. And she's going to, not just any child, but she's going to give birth to John the Baptist. And we know John the Baptist came before Jesus and announced his coming. Um, And of course, that's exactly what happened. Again, God fulfills his promises. And we read in Luke chapter 1, verses 57 and 58, Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to her son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. So Elizabeth, who was barren, now has a child, and the response is rejoicing. It's joy. The shame of her barrenness has been covered over, and she has brought forth a child. Um, And it brings joy, and it brings rejoicing. Now, we're going to look at another supernatural birth. Uh, Now, we don't know a lot about Mary, um, except we know that she was a young Jewish girl betrothed to Joseph. We talked about Joseph last week. Um, She was probably between the ages of 14 to 16. We don't know exactly, but that's kind of where typically things would lie. Um, But we don't know really with any certainty, and we don't know exactly who her parents were. There's some Jewish texts that have suggestions as to who her parents were. We don't know, but again, we know she was a relative of Elizabeth. Uh, but a very large difference in ages between Elizabeth and Mary. Um, but we start with our story with the angel Gabriel visiting Mary. So in Luke 1, verses 26 to 29, it reads, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. I guess one of the things that's interesting about Luke is he's a doctor, and that he writes, he sort of writes technically, right? He, it, rarely do you find a lot of emotion in, in Luke's text, and when you do, you know it's a big deal. Um, right, because he just doesn't write that way. And so imagine the situation, right? So we have Mary, the, this young girl, you know, 14, 16 years old, and she's visited by an angel. And not just an angel, but the archangel Gabriel, right? And so you think of this, you know, super angel shows up to Mary, and Mary is perplexed, you think? Um, <laughs> 
I think she's like, whoa! And then he says to her, says, you are a favored one. Me? I'm a peasant girl. I have nothing special about me. How am I a favored one? Right? And this is an amazing part. Jesus, you know, you would have thought if Jesus was going to come and bring what he did, he'd come down, boom, you know, sword in hand, league of angels coming down and ready to do some whooping. No, he comes as a baby, I'm a peasant girl. Gets born in a manger. I mean, it's not what you would think the Savior of the world would show up as. And yet, here he is. Gabriel announces to her, he says, you're the favored one. The Lord is with you. And there's another part about here that I just really love about Mary, right? She says, she ponders what is meant by the greeting. And I like that word, ponders. It's sort of like she's rolling it over in her mind. She's trying to figure out what is going on. You know what? She's trying to figure this out. How can I be blessed by the Lord like this? So she's thinking through this whole thing, and now Gabriel explains to her what he means. It says Luke 1, verses 30 to 33, it says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So Mary will conceive a son and will name him Jesus. And he will be called the Son of God, and he will complete the promise given to Nathan uh, in 2 Samuel 7.16. And we read in, in 2 Samuel 7.16, it says, Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. So David is given the promise that his kingdom will last forever. And we know we talked about it last week. His kingdom lasted forever through the lineage of Joseph because Joseph effectively adopted Jesus as his earthly father and there produced that lineage that fulfilled the promise that David is, that Jesus was an heir to that kingdom. So Mary's overwhelmed. Um, the greeting she gets from Gabriel is, is, um, is already pretty amazing. And now she's told that she's going to have a child. Now Mary's smart, she's a thinker, and she knows how things work, and she's like, mm, I'm a virgin. Um, I'm betrothed to somebody. How am I supposed to have this baby? So then in verse, uh, Luke 1, verses 34 to 38, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Wow. So Mary is visited by the archangel Gabriel, told that she is a blessed woman and that she will have a child and that child will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. You gotta imagine her gears are running, right? She's like, my goodness. But she hears the miraculous and what does she say? Behold, the bond slave 
of the Lord, may it be done according to your word. So her response is, okay. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> None of this, oh, let me think about it. I'll get back with you in a week. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, and, and again, Mary's a thinker. She knows what's happening, right? So she knows she hasn't slept with Joseph. She knows she's going to show up that she's pregnant. And she knows in the society she lives in, that's going to be a big deal. And she said, yes, I'll do it anyway. As we shared last week, Mary's pregnancy put her at considerable risk. First of all, Joseph would say, ah, you're pregnant, you obviously fooled around, thanks anyway, bye, and dismiss her. She could be rejected. And and seriously, I mean, Joseph, you think, he's never going to believe this. You know, he's never going to believe that's how I got pregnant. So I'm in real trouble here. And of course, the penalty for adultery was death. You could be stoned. The law provided for that. At at best, her family's going to shun her, and she'll be shunned by society. Uh, They'll never let her live at home, but she'll have to be hidden. Back in the old days, if uh, I can remember back when I was a kid, if 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 a girl at high school age got pregnant, that's what happened. They got quietly hidden um, until they were done. They didn't go to school. They don't have like today where they have schools for schools that actually are for pregnant high school girls and they work through that. They didn't have it back then. Back then you were hidden away till it was over. Um, So Mary's looking at a terrible time. Um, And there's no way she'd get remarried. No upstanding man's going to marry her knowing her history of adultery. She's going to be in just a very awkward position for the rest of her life. And yet she says, okay, I'll do it. And she doesn't have a lot of options. It's not like she can run away. It's not like she can go hide in the city. Single women didn't hang out in the city unless they were prostitutes. So she was in a really bad state. But she agreed to it anyway. Like I said, she said to the angel, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may be done according to your word. With all that is at risk, she told the Lord, yes, I'll do that. Now, of course, we know the happy side of the story, right? Angel visits Joseph. Hey, Joseph, seriously, we got this. And uh, you need to take her as your wife. And Joseph, being a righteous person, doing, again, what the Lord told him to do, he said, okay, I'll take her as my wife. And he, they stayed abstinent until Jesus was born. Um, and no doubt they took the the brunt from the, the world around them was like, oh, look, they got pregnant. They couldn't wait, you know, and, and they, we don't know anything about how all that works, but you could just imagine, you know, everybody on Facebook, did you see what's going on? And, you know, um, yeah, I know, Facebook drives me crazy. But, the, uh, the, um, but things go the way they're supposed to be, and Joseph takes her as his wife. So now we're going to pick up the story in verse 39. Mary visits Elizabeth. So Luke 1, verse 39 to 45. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And now has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, the sound of your greeting reached my ears, and the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Two blessed women coming together, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy in the presence of the Lord. You know, one of those things, I, again, I have no concept of what it must be like, but I can remember watching the child move in, 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 in Donna as it was growing up, and it was an amazing thing. And I just can't imagine as a woman what that's like, having this living organism inside of you that's becoming, you know, and, and I, ultrasound today is phenomenal. i, I got to admit, I've seen my daughters and my granddaughters and their ultrasounds. It's just it's amazing, that whole process, and to watch that. But to see that baby move, to grow in you, that, 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 that it's being... And I think of like Psalm 139, right? So God's in there knitting all the details. He's creating this very special being that's created in God's image that's uniquely that person. And he's doing all that. Meanwhile, it's all moving around inside. And it's just an amazing thing. And so, so, so Mary walks in and... and uh, the, the baby within Elizabeth leaps for joy. John the Baptist, knowing the coming of the Lord, and leaps for joy. It, it's an amazing thing, right? Um, now, we're not sure why uh, Mary was visiting Elizabeth, other than I suspect there was some godly movement there that, that, that directed where she was and what she was going to do. Um, but she, maybe she was just in a hurry to tell her relative, hey, you won't believe what happened, but... You know, this is what happened, right? But Mary's response to Elizabeth is telling. We read in Luke 1, verses 46 to 48. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, generations will count me blessed. And we know Mary, the mother of Jesus, throughout the history of the church has forever been held in a blessed position. Um, that she was chosen from among all the women of there that could be, that she was chosen, a humble peasant, to carry the Son of God. She will be the vessel that fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 7, 13 and 14. We read there in Isaiah 7, then he said, listen to me, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God is with us. Right? As you're going up that hill and you're stumbling on the rocks and you're struggling to get to the summit, God is with us. You know, I've ever seen the, the feats in the sand, the little like poem type thing, and it talks about the guys, you know, going through all these struggles in life. And Lord, when I look back at my history, I see there's this whole time period. There's a single set of footsteps. And he says to God, he says, those are the most difficult times of my life, and there was only one set of footsteps. You weren't there. And he said, oh, my son, no. I was carrying you. God is with us.
I really promise I'll get to one of these things where I'm not crying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like I said, this this season to me is just a it's just a, it's just a huge season. Anyway, we do celebrate that Mary, the, the joy that Jesus brings, and 400 years of silence is broken by the voice of angels declaring that the Savior is born. Um, imagine that 400 years hearing nothing, and then angels break the silence. Gives you chills, you know. It's the broken relationship between God and man gets restored, um, and then it happens. Luke chapter two, verse one. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was first census taken since Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn." Like I said, Luke is very matter-of-fact, right? He's describing the birth of Jesus, like, oh, by the way, there was a census, they had to go there, couldn't find a place to stay, so they had a baby in a manger. Like, whoa, <laughs> you know? It's, it's amazing, the whole process. And, and there is no coincidence in Scripture. Things all happen for a reason, right? We call it providence. God, in his ways, in his providence, brought this you know, Roman um, government to demand a census that would require Joseph to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy that was written thousands of years previously. Um, you know, I think if we could see all the intertwinings that God has put in place to make things happen, um, that's what providence is, is his hand shaping his purpose. So again, we see the fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. We read in Matthew 2, verses 3 to 6, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this has was been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will be the shepherd of all people of Israel. Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born in a manger in Bethlehem, just as the prophecy declared it should be. And he was received with great joy. Read in Matthew 2, 9 to 10, the Magi, after hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
So the Magi see the star and they're rejoicing. Great joy. They know the Savior is coming. And of course the shepherds in Luke 2, 10 to 11. But an angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you the good news of great joy, for which be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I know whenever I read that, I always think of Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that is one of my favorite Christmas things. You know, you don't know what Christmas is about? Let me tell you. You know, um, so Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, his earthly father, celebrate the birth of Jesus. Mary, a peasant girl, is blessed by God to carry his son and bring the Savior to the world. And this season, too, we receive the birth of our Lord Jesus with great joy, with great promise. The rift that separated man from God has been breached. Through birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ, we have grace and peace and eternal joy. Now, I want to end this um, with one last thought that happened uh, that came to me last week. The, uh, as I said before, Christmas is a very difficult time for a lot of people. Um, there's people that struggle with this. And um, I want you to be intrusive this year. Now, that sounds kind of odd, right? But here's what I mean by that. I want to encourage you to go ask people if they're okay. And I say that because I was in a meeting last week. And, and I understand being intrusive and talking to people and asking them, that can be awkward, can be uncomfortable, can even be embarrassing. But that's okay. Like I said, I was in a meeting last week where a guy shared a tragic story. It was laid on his heart to get hold of a friend of his that he knew struggled through the holidays. And so he made a point that he would get hold of him and he would give him a call. But it was a busy week, he just didn't get a chance and he was going to do it, and, and uh, Friday was a late day, just didn't get a chance. And so he made a note to himself, Monday morning, first thing, I'm going to call this guy and see how he's doing. Unfortunately, that opportunity never came. The guy took his life on Saturday. And I don't say that to be jury, but people, there are people out there suffering. There are people out there that are depressed. There are people out there that need to hear from you. I made a mistake years ago and didn't go and tell a guy that same thing. I was given the word and I didn't and he passed and it broke my heart. So I just encourage you, if the Lord lays on your heart to talk, call somebody or to talk to somebody or visit somebody, do it. There is nothing more important. Lord, we just thank you for the blessing of this season. The joy that comes from knowing that regardless of what the road looks like on the way to the summit, we will arrive. We will be at the summit with you. That we will spend eternity in the joy and the peace and the love of you and your son. And we pray, Lord, that we just reach out to all those people today that just need to hear your voice, need to hear your message. Um, and that we can bring the true present of Christmas to a hurting world. In your name, amen.